Israel-Hamas war fears of escalation hang over battered Gaza as thousands flee south. Victoria Kim Aaron Boxerman Edward Wong Edward Wong Vivian Narim Raja Abdulrahim Raja Abdulrahim Edward Wong Raja Abdulrahim Ewan Ward Edward Wong Aaron Boxerman Aaron Boxerman Stephen Erlanger Monica Pronksuk Aaron Boxerman Aaron Boxerman Monica Pronksuk Aaron Boxerman Patrick Kingsley Aaron Boxerman Keith Bratcher Keith Bratcher Keith Bratcher Katie Robertson Youssef Masood Talia Mintzberg Nadav Gavrilov Aaron Boxerman Nadav Gavrilov Peter Baker Anna Betts Peter Baker Ewan Ward Fear and uncertainty hung over Gaza on Saturday morning, as the Israeli military renewed calls for more than a million people to leave the northern part of the blockaded territory, signaling an impending escalation of its war with Hamas and sending panicked civilians fleeing south. An initial deadline of 24 hours that Israel gave to the United Nations for people to relocate came and went, after the military softened its stance and said that it understood that it will take time for civilians to leave. The tens of thousands of Palestinians who fled to the south were struggling on Saturday to find food, water or a place to shelter. Displaced families crammed into schools and hospitals, while others had spent the night sleeping out in the open. But many Gazans chose not to heed the evacuation warning and stayed put, out of defiance, lack of means or fear they wouldn't be allowed to return. HTTPS colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash 2023 slash 10 slash 13 slash world slash Middle East slash Gaza dash strip dash evacuation dash Israel dash Hamas dash war dot HTML. With anticipation building that Israeli troops massed near the Gaza border are gearing up for a ground invasion, the Israeli military said it would allow Palestinians to move south on two of the Gaza Strip's main roads between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. without any harm. On Friday, at least 70 Palestinians were killed and 200 more were wounded by Israeli airstrikes as they were attempting to head south to safety, according to the Interior Ministry in Gaza. Palestinian officials say about 2,215 people have been killed in Gaza in the past week and that more than 8,714 have been injured. The United Nations and aid groups have pleaded for Israel to reverse itself and stop the mass movement of people they fear will worsen an already dire humanitarian crisis. Negotiations to send humanitarian aid to Gaza via Egypt have stalled over disagreement about how the aid convoys might be screened before entering the enclave, a senior Western diplomat familiar with the talk said Saturday, as the UN warned that clean water was running out. HTTPS colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash live slash 2023 slash 10 slash 14 slash world slash Israel dash news dash Gaza dash Hamas dash war slash 9454E5B3-C351-54FA-874B-D24D1D6633E question marks mid equal sign URL dash share. Israel has said it aims to strip away the military capabilities of Hamas, which controls Gaza and that staged the devastating attack a week ago on southern Israel that killed more than 1,300 people, mostly civilians. Here is what to know. A senior State Department official said that, the Israeli and Egyptian governments have agreed to allow American citizens to cross from Gaza into Egypt between noon and 5 p.m. local time on Saturday. The crossing from Gaza, which is under an Israeli blockade backed by Egypt, has been closed. President Biden, while calling the Hamas attack pure evil, said that the rapidly deteriorating humanitarian situation in Gaza was a concern. The territory's two million people have been cut off from food, medicine, clean water and fuel after Israel declared a complete siege. 
The Israeli army said it is investigating the death of Isam Abdullah, a Reuters journalist, who was killed on Friday night amid escalating clashes on Lebanon's southern border with Israel. Six other journalists were injured in the incident. Hundreds of thousands of people turned out at rallies across the Middle East on Friday to express outrage over the Israeli response. A half million people filled Tahrir Square in Baghdad, and large protests broke out in Beirut and Bahrain. The Israeli military said on Friday that allegations that it had used white phosphorus munitions in Gaza were unequivocally false, after rights groups said there was evidence that Israel had used the munitions. White phosphorus is a potent incendiary that can cause severe and lasting burns, and its use in populated areas would violate international law. U.S. Secretary of State Antony J. Blinken is meeting Prince Faisal bin Farhan, the Saudi Minister of Foreign Affairs, in Riyadh. It's important, I think, that we all condemn the targeting of civilians in any form at any time, the prince said at the start of their meeting, adding that the priority now has to be to stop further civilian suffering. It was a clear reference to concerns over the devastating Israeli airstrikes in Gaza, which have killed more than 2,200 people, according to Palestinian officials. The Saudi government has not explicitly condemned Hamas for its terrorist attack of October 7 that resulted in at least 1,300 deaths, despite strong requests from Mr. Blinken and other American officials to do so. The American embassy in Manama, Bahrain, announced that it would close to all personnel for two hours on Saturday because of plans for a demonstration near the facility. Bahrainis have held several protests in recent days to denounce Israel and in support of the Palestinians. The Persian Gulf Island nation, home to the U.S. Navy's Fifth Fleet, established relations with Israel in 2020, but that decision remains unpopular among its people. More than two million people are at risk of running out of water in the Gaza Strip, the United Nations warned on Saturday. It has become a matter of life and death, said Philippe Lazzarini, Commissioner General for the United Nations Agency that assists Palestinians. People are having to use dirty water from wells, increasing risks of waterborne diseases, the agency said. Gaza's three water desalination plants, which were producing 21 million liters of drinking water a day, have halted operations as a result of the lack of fuel after Israel imposed a complete siege on the territory. In addition, Israel cut off the supply of drinking water on October 9, the UN said. The Israeli and Egyptian governments have agreed to allow American citizens to cross from Gaza into Egypt between noon and 5 p.m. local time on Saturday, a senior State Department official said. The U.S. government had been speaking with Israeli and Egyptian officials about the prospect of safe passage for American citizens and other foreigners out of Gaza through the Rafah border crossing with Egypt amid a punishing campaign of retaliatory Israeli airstrikes and fears the war with Hamas will escalate. The senior State Department officials said on Saturday that it was unclear whether non-American foreign nationals would be allowed to cross under the agreement. It was also unclear whether Hamas, which controls Gaza, would allow the passage. Officials from Qatar, where the group has offices, were trying to persuade Hamas not to block Americans from leaving, said the State Department official, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to talk frankly about diplomatic discussions. Israel, which has launched airstrikes in the area in recent days, will enable the crossing of pre-coordinated foreign nationals.
During the five-hour window, an Israeli official said in a WhatsApp message circulated on Saturday morning with foreign embassies and missions in Israel. There was no immediate comment from Egypt, which has kept the Rafah border crossing closed. About 2 million people live in Gaza, and about 500 to 600 Palestinian Americans are there, U.S. officials estimate. The narrow seaside strip of land has been under an Israeli blockade, backed by Egypt, since Hamas seized control there in 2007, after winning elections the previous year. There are only two ways out of Gaza, via Israel, which has said it is imposing a complete siege, and via Egypt, which has adamantly opposed allowing Gazans to cross into its territory for fear of being sucked deeper into the crisis. On Thursday, President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi of Egypt said Gazans must stay steadfast and remain on their land. The State Department officials said that U.S. diplomats were trying to send out messages, including by email, to Americans about the crossing. Some Palestinian Americans had gotten in touch with the U.S. mission in Israel about possible exit options from Gaza, he added. Separately, Secretary of State Antony J. Blinken, who is on a trip across the Middle East, continues to talk with officials in Israel and Arab nations about the idea of creating safe zones for civilians Gaza that in theory would be off-limits to strikes by Israel, the official said. Palestinian officials say about 2,215 people have been killed in Gaza in the past week and that more than 8,714 have been injured. Israel has said it plans to destroy Hamas after it staged the devastating attack a week ago on southern Israel that killed more than 1,300 people, mostly civilians. With a ground invasion widely expected, Israel has called for one million people in northern Gaza to move to the southern part of the enclave. The United Nations and aid groups have pleaded for Israel to reverse itself and stop the mass movement of people amid fears it will worsen an already dire humanitarian crisis. Aaron Boxerman contributed reporting. Tens of thousands of Palestinians who fled the northern Gaza Strip after an Israeli army order to evacuate were struggling on Saturday to find food, water, or a place to shelter. The Israeli army on Friday called for more than one million residents of northern Gaza, about half the population of the territory, to clear out and head to the south of the besieged and densely populated coastal strip in anticipation of a possible ground offensive. Displaced families are crammed into schools and hospitals in the south while others are crowding into the houses of friends and family. Many more are sleeping out in the open in the streets even as Israeli airstrikes, including on southern Gaza, continue. At least 70 people were killed Friday when Israeli airstrikes hit a convoy of vehicles fleeing south, according to the Gazan authorities. Israel said it was looking into the matter. It's a struggle for life here, said Gaza resident Zaina Ganem, speaking on Saturday morning from a training center in southern Gaza run by the United Nations agency that assists Palestinian refugees. There's no food. There's no water. There's no sleep. There were 500 displaced people from northern Gaza, men, women and children, all packed into one small hall, she said. Even before the Israeli evacuation order on Friday, more than 400,000 people had been displaced in Gaza over the past week by a constant barrage of Israeli airstrikes, according to the United Nations. The bombardment followed the surprise Hamas attack on Israel a week ago that killed more than 1,300 people. 
At least 2,215 Palestinians have been killed in Gaza since last Saturday, the territory's health ministry said, including 724 children and 458 women. More than 8,700 have been wounded. Many Gazans chose not to heed the evacuation order, saying the South was no safer than the North, and they would rather die at home. They also feared that those who left their homes would not be allowed back, a repeat of the 1948 mass displacement of more than 700,000 Palestinians who were either expelled or fled their homes in present-day Israel and were never allowed to return. Those who did flee found fear, chaos and confusion on the two main highways leading south. Vehicles were piled high with blankets and mattresses, and desperate people squeezed into any buses or truck heading south. Because telephone and internet services have been cut in many parts of Gaza since Monday after an Israeli strike hit the building housing the Palestine Telecommunications Company, many people have lost touch with each other. Israel's defense minister has imposed a complete siege of Gaza, saying it would prevent electricity, food, water and fuel from entering the impoverished territory, which has already been blockaded by Israel and Egypt for the past 16 years. Samar Abu Aluf and Amira Haruda contributed reporting from Gaza. A funeral procession began on Saturday morning for Isam Abdullah, the Reuters journalist killed amid clashes on Lebanon's southern border. His death has sparked outrage inside the country. Prime Minister Najib Mikadi blamed his death on Israel, whose military said it was investigating. Israeli and Egyptian governments have agreed to allow American citizens to cross from Gaza into Egypt between 12 p.m. and 5 p.m. today, a senior State Department official said. The official said he did not know whether other foreign nationals would be able to cross. He added that it was unclear whether Hamas would allow people to cross and that Qatari officials were trying to persuade Hamas not to block Americans from leaving. Fida Shahada is a member of the City Council of Lod, a town of some 84,000 people, perhaps 30% of them Arab citizens of Israel. And Ms. Shahada, a Palestinian citizen of Israel, is afraid, to put it mildly, of what may come now, after the massacre of Israeli civilians by Hamas. Everyone is in great distress, she said. There is a great fear that there will be a mighty revenge. In Lod, which lies just south of Tel Aviv, Jews and Arabs often live in the same building, she said, but now Arabs are reluctant to go into the air raid shelters. They say they see hate in the eyes of the Jews, Ms. Shahada said. They say they see hate, but I think what they really see is distress and fear. Arab citizens of Israel, many of whom want to be identified as Palestinians, make up some 18% of the population. They have been caught for years between their loyalty to the state and their desire for an end to the Israeli occupation of Palestinian lands, the creation of an independent Palestine and a better life for themselves. Now, after this unprecedented killing of Israelis inside Israel, when an enraged Israeli Jewish population is calling for revenge, normal tensions have been raised to almost unbearable levels. The leading Arab politicians in Israel, like Mansour Abbas and Ayman Oday, both members of the Knesset, have clearly condemned the actions of Hamas, the Palestinian faction that carried out the attack on Israel, and called for calm. But people are torn in their feelings, Ms. Shahada said, and so they tend to hide them. Young Arabs at first felt pride in the resistance of Hamas, which controls the Gaza Strip, she said. 
In the first moment when the people of Gaza invaded Israel, people were happy, they felt that someone was doing something about the situation. But that surge of pride faded quickly, she said. This was before we saw all the images of slaughter, kidnap and rape, Ms. Shehada said. This is not a legitimate form of struggle. In May 2021, during another Israeli-Palestinian crisis, Lod was racked by riots and mutual hatred between Jewish and Muslim communities. Ms. Shehada, 40, says she was attacked in her own home by Jews throwing rocks. Even in more normal times, Lod has deep-seated problems of poverty and crime, with Arab criminal organizations operating with little interference from the Israeli police, people here say. Even the local government is largely segregated, with separate Arab and Jewish sections within departments. The police are the responsibility of Edomar Benver, the national security minister and leader of the ultranationalist Jewish Power Party, a member of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's right-wing coalition government. Mr. Benver, who has supported settler violence against Palestinians in the occupied West Bank, has also been ramping up tensions with Israel's Arab population. He has talked of storming the Aqsa Mosque compound, one of the Muslim world's holiest sites, and in late July, he led more than 1,000 ultranationalist settlers to the site, infuriating Muslims and prompting Hamas to say that it is fighting to defend Al-Aqsa. Mr. Benver has spoken this week of renewed Arab-Israeli violence in cities like Lod and ordered the police to prepare for riots, which Ms. Shahada and others view as a dangerous provocation. Mohammed Magadli, one of Israel's most prominent Arab journalists, is more optimistic. He sees the shock of the past week bringing a sort of stunned calm. Unlike in 2021, he said, in mixed cities. The Arab and Jewish societies are more aware of each other's pain and can understand how destructive the consequences can be if they don't consider each other's feelings. There is greater responsibility between the two societies, Mr. Magadley said, even among the leaders who, from the outset, called for calming the situation. Ms. Shihada said her aunt was visiting Gaza now and could not leave. Buildings on either side of where she is staying have already been bombed, Ms. Shihada said, then paused, sighed, and said, I don't think they will survive this war. In Ramla, a similarly mixed town nearby, the sprawling market normally overflowing with local vegetables and fruits was nearly empty, with an unusual wariness in the air, said Musa Musa, 23, an Israeli Arab in a Hebrew-language t-shirt advertising his juice stall. I'm not sleeping, he said. I'm afraid of the reaction of the villagers on the road to what Hamas did. The market is a mix of Arabs and Jews, he said, but the feeling is different now. I feel an animosity from the people here, they're not smiling as they used to," Mr. Musa said. I try to keep my head high. He said he had contempt for the politicians who stoked hatred inside each community. They thrive on division, Mr. Musa said bitterly. That's what politics are based on. What Hamas did has changed life here profoundly, he said. I don't think there's a way back, he added people will not be as they were. In East Jerusalem, too, near the uncharacteristically empty old city, there is a palpable tension and a more visible presence of Israeli police. In normal times, they tend to stop and check young Arab men every so often. 
but Adam, 19, says that now he is being stopped three times as he makes the short walk from his father's shop near the Damascus Gate to their home in the old city. Each time, he is asked to show his ID card, lift his shirt, and drop his trousers. His father asked that their last name be withheld for fear of their security in the current environment. Adam said that he admired Hamas's boldness. Yes, they represent the Palestinians, he said. They are the only ones who protect the Palestinians. Like many young men here, he has little respect for Mahmoud Abbas, the president of the Palestinian Authority. In our eyes, he is a traitor for cooperating with Israel, Adams said, especially on security in the occupied West Bank. Unlike Arabs in Ramla or Lod, who are part of Israeli society, most Palestinians in East Jerusalem are not Israeli citizens and feel less torn between loyalties. In 1967, when Israel annexed East Jerusalem, it made the Palestinians their legal residents, but not citizens. Mahmoud Muna runs one of Jerusalem's finest bookshops, catering to everyone. He identifies as a Palestinian from Jerusalem and favors a unitary state based on democracy and equal rights. He sees people like himself as potential models for a different kind of integrated state. But now, he said, there is an unusually high level of tension, anxiety, anger, confusion and fear that has grown among Palestinians, and I feel it myself. The police presence has been increased in and around East Jerusalem, and Mr. Muna himself has been stopped twice for checks in the past five days, always moments that can produce friction. Being past 40 helps you keep your cool, he said. Are Palestinians in Israel in a bind? He paused, then said, we are always in between. Friends who go to work in West Jerusalem tell him that everyone is stressed and angry, but everyone is pretending or putting on a face. People say banalities like it's crazy or it's difficult or I can't understand it, Mr. Muna said, adding. This is so you don't have to say your opinion, but to say nothing is also not acceptable. Moments like this one are clarifying, too, he said. It is a good time to see things we don't normally see, like the absence of acquaintances who have been called up as reservists to the army. Palestinians are reminded to what extent Israeli society is militarized, he said. Those you were eating with yesterday are now at the front, and what are they doing now? This week has encapsulated the entire conflict, Mr. Muna said. The high level of nationalism, of we and them, cannot be higher than now, he said. Resistance becomes terrorism and vice versa, and us and them, and civilians and army, all these terms are in sudden contrast. One side speaks of a new holocaust and the other of a new Nakba, or catastrophe, which is what Palestinians call their mass displacement and dispossession during the 1948 Arab-Israeli war. That's the graveness of the moment, Mr. Muna said, like shrinking the whole last 100 years into a week. Naten Odenheimer contributed reporting. The Israeli army says it is investigating the death of Isam Abdullah, a Reuters journalist, who was killed in Lebanon, in escalating clashes between Israel and armed groups there. It's a tragic thing, said Lieutenant Colonel Richard Hecht, a military spokesman, adding that the circumstances behind his death remained unclear. The Israeli military said it would allow Palestinians to move on two of the Gaza Strip's main roads between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. 
without any harm to comply with Israel's order to leave the northern half of the coastal enclave. If you care for yourselves and your loved ones, leave for the south according to our instructions, Abacheadri, an Arabic-language spokesman for the Israeli military, wrote on social media, https colon slash slash twitter.com slash avicheadri slash status slash 1713065991511388610. Reuters and the Associated Press are live-streaming video feeds of the Gaza Strip as thousands of Palestinians race to evacuate the northern region. The Reuters live stream on YouTube of the Gaza skyline has been streaming since October 7, while the AP's feed started on Friday. The feeds now show a darkened sky punctuated by the sounds of sirens and each have a couple thousand people watching them. A Reuters videographer, Isam Abdullah, was killed in southern Lebanon on Friday while working as part of a crew providing a separate live video signal along the Israel-Lebanon border. Six other journalists were also injured. The live stream captured the attack. In a video that Reuters posted on the social media platform X, the sound of gunfire is heard, with a notice from Reuters saying part of the clip was muted out of respect for the colleagues involved. Reuters previously had a live feed of Ashkelon, just north of the Gaza Strip, running for 12 hours before turning it off on Friday evening. It is unclear how long the feeds will be active. The Associated Press is one of the few news organizations able to provide live coverage from inside both Gaza and Israel, the news service said in a statement. Reuters did not immediately respond to requests for comment. The Palestinian Ministry of Heath confirmed that some 1,900 Palestinians had been killed in Gaza and an additional 49 in the West Bank since Saturday, according to Wafa, the official Palestinian news agency. The agency said that more than 7,600 people had been injured in Gaza and more than 950 in the West Bank. Orgat returned on Friday to Biari, the Israeli kibbutz where he was born and raised, and found a totally different world, homes smashed, cars torched and streets packed with soldiers preparing for the next stage of Israel's response to the Palestinian assault a week ago. His mother, Kinneret, his sister, Carmel, and his sister-in-law, Yarden, are still missing, and the younger women are feared to be Hamas captives. His father, Eshel, his brother alone, and his three-year-old niece, Gafin, all barely escaped. Biri, which lies near the eastern border of the Gaza Strip, suffered one of the deadliest massacres in the attack, with over 100 deaths, according to Israeli authorities, or around 10% of the kibbutz's population. Palestinian gunmen went house by house, killing or capturing those they found. The Israeli military took hours to arrive. My sister and sister-in-law are held hostage, and my mother is probably dead, Mr. Gat, 34, said bluntly. There's no place for sadness anymore, he said later, as he surveyed the damage. There's enormous anger. When Hamas attacked Israel on Saturday, Mr. Gat, who has been living in Tel Aviv but had intended to move back to Biari, was in the southern Israeli city of Ashdod for a friend's bachelor party with kibbutz buddies. They fled into bomb shelters as the assault began. He stayed in touch with his family as, hour by hour, the situation devolved into horror. They kept saying, the army's coming soon, the army's coming soon, Mr. Gat said. But they didn't come. 
The gunman trashed the family's house, pushing alone, Yarden and Yungafin into a car, Mr. Getz said his brother had told him. The car sped toward Gaza, Yarden's brother, Gilly Roman, said, sharing details of what alone had told him. But some of the gunmen got out along the way, leaving only the driver. As he drove onward, Alone and Yardin grabbed Giffen and threw themselves from the moving car. They started running, with gunmen in pursuit, Mr. Roman said. Alone said Yardin realized she couldn't run fast enough, so she gave Giffen to him, Mr. Roman said. Alone managed to hide with the child until Sunday morning. But Yardin is missing. The last time he saw her, Mr. Roman said, she was hiding behind a tree. We don't know what happened, but she saved her daughter. Mr. Gatt's father, Eschel, managed to hide in the bathroom and lock the door, keeping the gunman out, family members said. Carmel was last seen by Eschel, in the captivity of the attackers, Mr. Gatt said. Volunteer emergency workers who searched the kibbutz in the days after the massacre found bodies everywhere, including those of small children, according to Modi Bakhtin, a spokesman for Zaka, an emergency response group. By Friday, most of the corpses seemed to have been removed. The kibbutz crackled with tension as soldiers walked through. A tank hummed just past the iron fence, demarcating its border. At one point on Friday morning, a rocket alert sent dozens scrambling for cover, and a resounding boom echoed through the ravaged town. President Biden described a call this morning with family members of 14 unaccounted for Americans as gut-wrenching, and vowed to do all he could to find them. The families are going through agony, he said. He added, we're not going to stop until we bring them home. Excoriating the Hamas attackers, he said, these guys make Al-Qaeda look pure. They're pure evil. In early October, Yahya Alarashi's parents, Zakaria and Layla, traveled from their home in Michigan to Gaza to visit Mr. Alarashi's brother and sister and their children, who still live there and whom they hadn't seen in several years. Mr. Alarashi's parents, who are American citizens, were only supposed to be in Gaza for a month, Mr. Alarashi, 40, said on Thursday. Now, with the Israeli military pummeling the coastal territory, they are stuck in a war zone. They're in a bad situation, Mr. Alarashi said in a phone interview. Mr. Alarashi checks in with his family once an hour to make sure that they are still alive, he said, adding that every minute they can hear some bombing around them. They're just sitting around each other and trying to protect each other as much as they can. They have no electricity or water, and they are having a hard time getting food. On Thursday, Mr. Alarashi's parents and siblings, along with their children, had moved to the house of another family member, he said, which is a little farther away from where most of the Israeli airstrikes were this week. His parents, he said, are understandably frightened. They have not been in a war of this kind in their lifetime, Mr. Alarashi said. They're not safe. Nobody in Gaza is safe right now. Over the last several days, Mr. Alarashi said that he has been reaching out to U.S. authorities and state legislators to see what can be done regarding getting his parents home safely. U.S. officials, he said, have told him that they are looking into it but that no solution has been offered yet. They were trying to get them to have, like, a safe way to get them out of there. 
he said, adding that there are other Americans also trapped in Gaza. HTTPS colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash 2023 slash 10 slash 13 slash New York region slash Palestinian dash Americans dash Gaza dash Israel dash war dot HTML. John F. Kirby, a spokesman for the National Security Council, said this week that Israel's blockade of Gaza was preventing them from providing help to American citizens inside the territory. The White House, he added, was in talks with Israel and Egypt about establishing a safe passage between Gaza and Egypt. An advocacy group, the Arab American Civil Rights League, said it was working with lawmakers and the State Department to try to move Americans out of Gaza. It's our moral obligation to do everything within our power to prevent further loss and to ensure the security of U.S. citizens abroad, Mariami Charera, the group's executive director, said in a statement on Thursday. We must work diligently and collectively to address these issues, making it our top priority to ensure the safety and well-being of our fellow Americans in Gaza. On Friday, expectations that Israel would soon invade Gaza mounted after the Israel Defense Forces warned civilians in the northern part of the territory that they should evacuate to the south for their own safety and protection. Mr. al said on Friday morning that his parents, who are in northern Gaza, had not left. As of right now, they are staying, he said in a text. We don't have a place in the south to be at. President Biden said that the humanitarian crisis in Gaza was one of his top priorities and that he was consulting with regional leaders to alleviate it. We can't lose sight of the fact that the overwhelming majority of Palestinians had nothing to do with Hamas and these appalling attacks and their suffering as a result as well, he said in a speech in Philadelphia. But he offered no criticism of Israel's response to the Hamas attacks, repeating that the United States stands with Israel. A cameraman for the Reuters news service, Issam Abdullah, was killed and six other journalists, from Reuters, Al Jazeera and agents France Presa, were injured on Friday night amid escalating clashes on Lebanon's southern border with Israel. Mr. Abdullah's death inside Lebanon was the first time that a journalist has been killed in the past week along the increasingly volatile border, an area that has seen fighting in recent days between Israeli forces and Iranian-backed militant groups, the most powerful of which is Hezbollah. In a statement, Reuters confirmed Mr. Abdullah's death and said two other Reuters journalists, their al-Sadani and Marnais, had been injured and were seeking medical care. The news service said it was gathering more information and working with authorities in the region but did not provide additional details. Two journalists from Al Jazeera, Carmen Bakinder and Eli Brachia, were also injured on Friday along Lebanon's southern border, the Qatari broadcaster said. Agents France Presa said two of its journalists were also injured, and in an article on its wire service said Christina Assi, a photographer, and Dylan Collins, a video journalist, were taken to a hospital in Tyre, Lebanon, for treatment. Andrea Tenenti, a spokesman for United Nations peacekeeping forces in southern Lebanon, said all of the journalists were injured in the same incident. Reuters said that Mr. Abdullah had been working as part of a crew that was providing a live signal in southern Lebanon. Footage circulating online of a Reuters livestream showed it pointed toward a hillside before an explosion hits. I can't feel my legs, a woman can be heard screaming in the background. Then the feed is cut. Footage broadcast on Lebanese television showed an injured woman in a press vest writhing on the ground in pain with a car burning behind her.
Olivia Dalton, a White House spokeswoman, expressed sympathy for the journalists killed and hurt. Our heartfelt prayers are with the families, the family of the journalist who was killed, and also our prayers are with the injured journalists for their full and swift recovery, she told reporters traveling with President Biden on Air Force One. We know that the work that you all do is incredibly dangerous, and today is a reminder of that. Fighting along the Lebanon-Israel border escalated on Friday, shattering a lull in the fighting a day earlier. The Israeli military said it had carried out drone strikes on Hezbollah targets inside Lebanon. Hezbollah announced earlier it had also targeted four separate Israeli locations in response to attacks by the country. The Lebanese army said one of its watchtowers had been targeted by Israeli shelling, but no injuries were reported. In Gaza, at least eight journalists have been killed amid the spiraling violence, according to the Palestinian enclave's government press office. Peter Baker contributed reporting.